Welcome, everybody, to episode 172 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. You should follow us at Two on Three Pod on Twitter, and you can send us email at hello, hello. at two on three pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. I'm Chris, and you can see me trying to get all those social media bonus from the PGA Tour at CD Villa Senor. Uh, and with me, per usual, is Ty. Where can we find you selling out for clicks? As many as possible on Twitter at SEATJK. <laughs> you know, I always ask for reviews for the show, and I and, and we never get them, which is fine. That's fine. Look, there's a, 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 fair, a fairly consistent number of people listen to the show on a, on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And I there's only like, like I can count the reviews on, on my fingers. Sure. So I'm talking to you, people. Because, <laughs> look, it's not hard to go tap five stars. You can do it. Do it. I know yeah. it might have your name on it, and that might make you uncomfortable, but you can do it. <laughs> It'll help other people find our show, and then maybe you can yeah. run into someone who mm-hmm. also listens to the show, and you can strike up a new relationship with someone who, who laughs at our jokes the same way that you do. See, it's, it's for you, really. Right. We're helping you to expand your world. Yeah. In the, world, in the, in the words of, of, of one of my favorites, Shea Serrano, you can give us five stars, or you can go to hell. <laughs> why my god <laughs> that's what he always says like subscribe to my podcast or go to hell <laughs> it <laughs> seems like it seems like a yeah that seems like maybe a too far dispersion for me i mean just keep listening and if you want okay. to throw us some stars please do that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> we've got a lot we've got a lot of listing going on today because i feel i felt i felt very listy this week so yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about you know, people who might show up in a movie unannounced. That's really always fun. fun. Always fun. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, PGA Tour social media clicks, we'll talk about some of golf's biggest douchebags, which there seems to be a preponderance of at the moment. The drama. I love it. I live for <laughs> it. It's so much better than the actual golf. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to talk about your network MVPs um, and see, uh, you know, Who's getting paid and should they be getting paid? Um, as always, the testies. And then uh, a little uh, a little, uh, a little background into some people's favorite snack food. Not particularly mine, but um, we'll delve into, the, we'll delve into the, the deeper corners of the snack most likely to split your teeth in half. So there we have it. You're excited. I'm thrilled. No question about it. Before we get going... Uh, Ty and I were just having a conversation about, you know, there's this old saying that doctors make the worst patients, right? Mm-hmm. It's This is also true of former IT or current IT people getting IT support. <laughs> we I disagree, <laughs> by the way. I think I'm a very good patient. Yeah? You think so? Yeah. Well, I, okay, so first of all, I exhausted my options before reaching out. Okay, so first of all, Ty ran into a, a IT incident i'm having a problem with my work laptop where it just stops recognizing the keyboard and the touchpad so it just basically stops functioning unless i plug in external keyboard and mouse right which is so you reach so you reach out to it because you're no longer an it person well i can't replace my own laptop you know for the company that i work for exactly right exactly Um, so you reach out you go through the process you start the you start the incident process yeah and I, i and i send the ticket with like here are all the steps I've taken in order and like being very clear where I've restarted the machine every time <laughs> and like exactly how I did it and why I did what I was doing. And what, cause I actually run into this problem earlier in the year and it was able to fix it and this time the fix wasn't working. Yeah. And you know, I get, it takes one, first of all, it takes like a day and a half for them to get back to me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess I'm not traveling, but the fact that I'm telling you that my work computer only functions with additional hardware that I have supplied. Seems like maybe the kind of thing that you need to get in touch with me more quickly about. Sure. As a, as a field employee. <laughs> it's not like I can drive down to the office and get another computer. You're going to have right. to ship me something if this doesn't work. You're right. Anyway, they send me a driver package. It doesn't fix it. I send it back. to I'm like, this isn't working. I think it's probably a hardware failure. Especially because the error code is like a power failure error code. Okay. Um, and it, 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 they're like, oh... We, we do a four-year replacement, so uh, we can't send you a new computer yet. But we'll send you a replacement used machine. And I was like, I was, I, as I was Horrified. telling you, I, I balked. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because as a former IT person, I know what people do to their laptops. 
and I, I've taken a keyboard off of a laptop to find it completely filled with cat hair. Um, I, I have seen wrist rests that would make your mother scream in horror. People um, watch porn on those machines, too. Look, man, I don't know who's touching what. I'm not getting the black light out. Anyway, I was off-put by this solution. So I decided to look a little harder on the internet. And, and again, so what I did was, instead of um, Googling for the exact error message... I googled for sort of a bastardized version that's kind of described the error message, and then I found the solution on Reddit, like from a year, a post from a year and a half ago. Yeah. And then I told IT, "Hey, I found the fix," and they're like, "Oh, great! Let us know if you need anything else." I was like, "What else?" <laughs> now I feel for the IT people. It's hard sure. to support a large group of people, um, especially remotely, especially remotely, and especially with a limited staff, and especially when it's like sort of here. This this is just it's failing. It's failing. Right. But I didn't appreciate having to be the one that was being the proactive one throughout the encounter. That was sort <laughs> of my, my gripe with it. And I am, I'm a bit of a stickler for customer service as well. I mean, I understand that people can't solve all my problems all the time, but I got to feel like you're trying, you know, yeah. I got to feel like, I got to feel like you're invested a little bit, especially if I'm, if we're in, if we're doing business together or doing business, and we're doing business with you. <laughs> Like if I'm trying yeah. to if I'm trying to spend my money with you, I definitely need to feel the love. You know, well, you don't have, yes, it's not, it's not difficult. I just you just need to engage. You just need to be like, oh, you want to spend your money at my business? I'm very interested in what you were doing. Right. That's and all. At, at no point, you know, like was the person asking me any questions? Like how? Like how do you have to travel anytime soon? Right. Are you getting by with the current solution, or do you want a replace? Like there was just zero interaction. It was sort of try this. Okay, well. We can send you something else. And I was like, great, yeah, send me a new computer. I'm like, no, 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 I'll use one. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. And again, new as someone who's nothing. run a service desk in the past, if you're three years into a four-year refresh cycle and the hardware actually fails, you just go ahead and speed up the process. You don't yeah. make me hold out for another year with some... some uh, redeploying laptops is just... it's. It's, it's a bad scene. It's, it's distasteful. It's, it's it's just it is, man. It's like <laughs> donating your underwear to the Salvation Army. You just can't. You can't. I tore my waistband on my underwear. Oh, can I get new underwear? No, no, we're on a two-year replacement on underwear. We have this used under. We have this used underwear that you could it's use fine. for for, for, it. for just a year. You yeah. only have to wear it for like six months. Yeah, we and washed then, it. It's cool. And then we'll give and then we'll give you new underwear in six months. Just wear this pair. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, I'm glad I found my solution. It was just really funny to me, the whole experience of like being self-sufficient and then ultimately finding my solution, but not actually being able to Google the exact error message, which only took me to like dead Microsoft forums with no solution <laughs> attached. Right. But yeah. The but, internet yeah. used to be really good. If you, if you Googled an actual error message, if somebody had solved the problem, you would find it. Yeah, now you now, have to be more creative. You got to get fuzzy, a little yeah. fuzzier. Yeah. No, doesn't seem right, does it's it? It's like the internet on the whole is like two drinks in. <laughs> it's gotten like, fuzzy. Yeah, at all on all aspects of it. Well, I there's mean, so much there's so much internet now. That's the problem. That's yeah. there's it's it's that and maybe that's a, that's a that's a tale for a different day. But well, and then corporations have squeezed all the fun out of it. So all the edge stuff where people were just posting things they learned and stuff like this just doesn't exist anymore. No. No one wants to do that anymore. No one's got the no one's got what? You want millennials to start posting like solutions to stuff? Forget it. I don't know. I used to it used to be easy to fix things. Now it's yeah, because that was that was us. That was Generation X doing that. On the plus but, side, you can find YouTube videos on how to fix a toilet and your dryer. I've done. I've been. I've been down that road. Anyway, yeah. all right. Let's do the show. Segment right. number one. Okay. So in segment number one, we're talking a little bit about the movie world, where a lot of times someone will show up unexpectedly, and this is also known as the cameo. <laughs> Now rebranded for personal messages from your favorite celebrities. Right, right, which is whatever. But, you know, so the king of the cameo, obviously being Stan Lee, who cameoed in every Marvel movie, who has cameoed in every Marvel movie. There's always a Stan reference somewhere, often him, but since he passed away, they're finding, they're finding new ways to get him in to the, into the show. So that, that, he, is the, he is sort of the, he's the, the, the superhero of cameo appearances. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No one's made more cameo appearances. Alfred Hitchcock? He didn't make that many movies. I mean, there's like I 20. <laughs> there's 
like 20 Stan. He would, Hitchcock was sort of the original Stanley. Yeah, he would just yeah he would just sort of stick himself into a into a frame like drinking a coffee in the background of something right. and and that was that was pretty cool and so I guess I guess that started the ball rolling, but. I was thinking about cameos and what my favorite ones like recently were. Maybe and maybe you've gone a little deeper, but I had to sort of figure out what a cameo was. Now there are a lot of people who might argue that Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder is a cameo, and I would not say that's a cameo. I would say he's a full blown character. He's wearing a costume. <laughs> he's wearing a disguise. But I do feel got, like it's more than one scene. But he's got not really many cameo. scenes. Mm-hmm. And they're all it's, awesome, by the way. <laughs> it's pivotal to the movie, also. It's not yes. like he just pops up. He's a character, right? And even though he's got a he's got a disguise on, he's not Tom Cruise. He's that's not a cameo. No. So the next sort of turn of the dial is Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. That was that's that definitely a cameo. on my list. Well, it's that, one okay. scene. It's one scene, and he's and I don't think he even has a name. But he's a he's a pivotal character. But it's one scene. It's one All scene, right. it's one monologue, that qualifies. It's, one it's maybe scene, the it's one biggest monologue. possible cameo you could make because it's so memorable. Oh, my it God. It seems like it, it overshadows the movie. <laughs> it's right? the only like, thing everybody remembers about Glengarry Glenn Ross. It's not the sad sack sales staff. It's Alec Baldwin showing up and throwing down steak knives. Yes. You know. All right. So that's that's definitely on your list. For sure. All right. Well, sorry to, sorry, <laughs> sorry to, sorry to cut into your list. That's okay. But that's a, I have plenty. But, but that's a that's a that is a well I was I was wondering how we felt about that as a cameo. But you're think you're saying a cameo is essentially one scene, give or take. And yeah. and so that that tips me into my my uh, my my I'll just call it my first offering as a as one of my favorite cameos. And he does it twice, and it's Christopher Walken. It's the scene from Pulp Fiction where for sure. <laughs> I yes. held this uncomfortable piece of metal up my ass for two years, and then um, True Romance when he's the uh, when he's the you're a cantaloupe. <laughs> you know, he's like that whole that whole scene is so good, and he just you know again he 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 shows up, he does the walking thing, and then and then he's gone. And he should do more of that. Frankly, I I need more small doses. Of Christopher Walken and mo- more movies. Yeah, just just shows up, does one scene, then is is out of there. But uh, yeah, that's that was my first offer. Those those two scenes are again like ultimately quotable, and just insanely memorable. And he's he's here and he's gone. Did you have a favorite Stan Lee? You know, is there I, a particular one that you like? <sighs> like I really don't like the Tony Stank. No FedEx no, delivery that, one. That, no, that's, that one. No, yeah. that one's no good. Um. I don't know. I, I kind of like the one in Big Hero Six, <laughs> okay, where he shows up at the end his, as as uh, T.J. Miller's dad. I think he's the best in Mallrats because he's still young and a little bit vital. Oh my vital. god, the Mallrats <laughs> one, so funny. And he gives Brody the great advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's and he's doing the Stan Lee voice back. I mean, he always, but it gets worse as I mean, one he's getting older and then it becomes like, you know, this totem they're holding up in the movies. But yeah, is that your is that your favorite Stan one? The small rats. The small rats. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's better than any of, of his appearances in the MCU or or yeah. the previous Spider-Man movies or any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but my actual, so my, my first one was uh, Alice Cooper in Wayne's World, and the reason <laughs> really boils down to the fact that I would I still talk about Mealy Wake being Algonquin for the Good Land, <laughs> right? And without you... Alice Cooper in Wayne's World, <laughs> this is not something that I would say. You would you learned something. He appeared, I did. and then you learned something. And yeah, and we're not worthy. Yeah. That is hilarious. That's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> I thought about that. Um, the next offering I have up is Neil Patrick Harris in Harold and Kumar. Very and... unexpected at the time. It, it, <laughs> looking through like the 2021 lens, it's almost yeah. like yeah. it seems uh, normal. But, but that, at the time, yes. But that character launches Barney Stinson for sure. That, that I mean, he just he just puts on this whole. I I. I the director must have just been cracking up because like, hey, Neil, do you want to do this movie where you're just like this weird, like drugged up, horny version of <laughs> of yourself? Yeah. And uh, and again, it's more than one scene, but it's every every line out of his mouth is hilarious. 
It's great. So I think the best cameos are where someone shows up in an unexpected context and then plays against type. Like right. uh, Bob Saget in Half-Baked, where they're at yeah. the, I think it's the, the Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and he starts talking about the things he's done for cocaine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> There's another funny cameo in uh, in Harold and Kumar. It's the Jamie Kennedy one, where... So Kumar's peeing in that bush, okay. and Jamie Kennedy, like, sidles up to him and starts peeing on the bush, too. <laughs> Do you ever this I remember this. No, I haven't watched the movie in a long time. <laughs> that's it's just that's a non sort of non sequitur um all right um oh your turn okay uh i had um david letterman and cabin boy like you're one of those (laughs) fancy lads (laughs) cabin boy so chris elliott i thought i thought the first season of chris elliott's tv show of get a life Mm -hmm. was hilarious and of course you know you can't sustain that but no I try to think back into a world where Chris Elliott was actually kind of famous. Quite famous for a while. Yeah. And then, you know, then he showed up and I guess he showed up in Schitt's Creek and got a little more, you know, got okay. a little more life out of his, his career. But there was that part where he would show up on Letterman and do something just wacky and it was totally worth it. And then he got famous for a little bit. And then, I don't know, maybe his shtick just ran dry. I, I, I want to say that maybe there were some, I, I don't want to speculate, but I feel like maybe there was some... I got famous and started taking some drugs. <laughs> I think that might have been part of the problem. I think he's kind of a natural a-hole anyway, so it might it might not have been a, a great company. Maybe one of the fancy lads. <laughs> and the sock monkey. Yes, the sock monkeys. It's so weird. I remember almost nothing about that movie except for the... That. Except for that. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a... Here's a funny quick one that I... I that made me chuckle the first time I saw it was uh, Brad Pitt in Deadpool 2. Oh, as, right. As the vanisher. <laughs> like, he, he gets electrocuted, then, then like unvanishes for a second. It's Brad Pitt, then he vanishes yes. again. Funny. I mean, just a, just a rando. I mean, that's a, I mean that's, that's the kind of cameo you like to see. Like, maybe somebody walks through a scene and you're like, oh, shit. That, or just, you know, Brad Pitt showing up as the vanisher for literally two seconds. That's why, you know that, like, Dustin Hoffman's in the video store in the holiday? Yeah. Um, and that's just because he was walking by, and he walked over to check out the set, and they're like, oh, hey, Dustin Hoffman, you want to be in the scene? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right, sure. Okay. I think Whatever. it's, it, I like cameos because it kind of shows that the actor is um, kind of up for it, right? In on the game. Hey, this is a good time. It, 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 I think they're mostly, it, it does seem like it's more comedic than any, than almost any other kind of movie has cameos in it, other than obviously Chris Walken, Chris Walken and Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Although I'd argue that that scene is played a little bit for laughs. It's funny. It, yeah. it make it does it, it is meant to make you laugh for sure. Uh, I had Billy Idol in the Wedding Singer, but that's it's a multiple <laughs> scene kind of. No, <laughs> it's one scene, but it's interspersed with another, so I don't know if it qualifies. Oh, this, I think it's a cameo. I think you could count that as a cameo. Again, indelible lines. And one of our first class passengers wants to sing a song to one of our second class passengers, <laughs> our coach passengers. And since we pretty much let our first class passengers do whatever the hell they want, here he is. <laughs> I just recall Billy Idol looking really old and haggard. At the, in, I thought he looked movie. pretty good. Really? <laughs> I was a lot younger when that movie came out. And I was like, yeah, that, that looks like Billy Idol. I mean, that movie's like 1996. And he was, you know, it's only been like eight or nine years since he was at the peak of his fame. <laughs> it's hard living, man. That is, that is a... The hair. Hard... The hair didn't the hair didn't look young anymore. <laughs> man, Billy Idol was the shit, man. <laughs> in 1985, man, White Wedding followed by Rebel Yell followed by... Dancing with myself. That's, that's that was a that was a that was a great summer of music. Tremendous. I'll have to take your word for it. I was six. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you want to throw one? I have to do. I do have to throw one one yeah, more on the pile here. Of course. Matt Damon and Euro Trip. I knew that would come up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even bother to put it on my list because I was one hundred percent certain that you would bring it up. Because I love Scotty. Doesn't know. I know you do. I think that song is awesome. I play it in the car all the time. <laughs> It's just—is it available on Spotify? Uh, yeah, Apple Music, whatever, okay. whatever you're, whatever you're doing. But yes, it is available, and uh, it's just funny. And Matt Damon does all these hilarious other like he does. He does a lot of cameo work, like he's in like Thor Ragnarok. As, right, as he just Loki. pops up. Yeah. He just pops up. He's in, 
he's in i guess he was in deadpool 2 as one of the rednecks like who, who were sitting on that truck i mean yeah, speaking just, of rednecks he's got a really weird movie coming out it's, it's sort of like taken except except he's bureaucracy yeah. taken <laughs> bureaucracy taken yeah still water it's uh yeah. it's amanda knox except her dad goes to rescue her right yeah yeah Anyway. Um, I had a, just a quick one, couple, um, couple more to add here. That um, I enjoyed Hugh Jackman showing up for like two seconds in X Men First Class when they're <laughs> doing the to, recruiting, just to tell them to f off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Eric Lencher and I'm Charles Xavier. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it also really makes like it throws into the timeline, like because the Wolverine timeline in the X Men movies is all over the place, right? Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, you can't put it together. It doesn't make any sense. But it uh, sets up Days of Future Past too, which yes, the, so. It's a. I don't know if they. I think that was a happy accident. Likely. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I had to mention uh, Sean Connery as King Richard at the end of Robin Hood, <laughs> Prince of Thieves. If anybody, I speak. Yeah. Her. <laughs> That's what did exactly he say there? Yeah. yeah. I will not let this go forward without. Yeah. 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 And of course, the second he starts talking, you're like, oh, hey. Yeah. So just Sean a fun Connery's surprise. Here. Yeah. That that was a fun surprise. Um, and then lastly, I don't know if any of. So have you seen This Is the End? Isn't that movie isn't that movie entirely cameos? Basically, yes. So it's like there's the four main cast members, but then uh-huh. like a bunch of celebrities cycle in through the movie. Sure. And so again, going back to playing against type, uh, the whole where Michael Sarah is just being a wild douchebag throughout the whole thing. Like he he blows uh, cocaine into McLovin's face, <laughs> and he's like just tripping balls, yelling at everybody. It's it's it makes me laugh. That's all. That, well, I guess that was the uh, I guess that was the whole point of that movie. So, I mean, it has its moments. It's not like particularly, it doesn't like, it's not great, but it's fun. Right. You could call, you could call, speaking of Michael Sarah, you could probably call half of, uh, half of the appearances in Scott Pilgrim <laughs> like cameos. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, because the, uh, the Brandon Ralph base battle in, in Scott Pilgrim is a wildly awesome scene. I like Scott Pilgrim. That's a great movie. No question about it. All right. Segment two. All right. So golf is having a bit of a, a, a social media moment. <laughs> well, first, let me set this up. The PGA Tour decided they would award bonuses to people who, golfers who upgraded or were basically generating engagement on social media. Now, it's the budget's $40 million, but like it's not one person getting $40 million bucks, is it? They're just spreading out this money. We don't know. They never disclosed it. It only came out because I, I want to say like a reporter heard it in like passing and like broke the story. But like the PGA didn't announce it. They told the players, I assume, uh, back in like January, but it didn't become a news story until April. Okay. So we, I mean, we as spectators had no idea this was happening for like three months. So and the speculation is that, you know, there's a not to go too deep into it, but there's like a there's a Saudi funded, like to try to start up a golf league and they're trying to recruit the biggest names by basically paying them guaranteed fees. Mm-hmm. Like instead of playing for purses, they're trying to just pay them salaries. Yeah. It's golf super league. Yeah. Yeah. And so the PGA is like, well, you can do that, but they're, tr- they're trying to sweeten the pot. They have a pot that they can, they have the ability to do so. So they're trying to do it. Got it. Got it. So, so which of course makes golfers want to engage more, but golfers by nature, <laughs> might be a little bit like lone wolfy. They might not be the most, the most gregarious people in the world. They might not be the most warm and fuzzies. You know, you don't get a lot of warm and fuzzy. I mean, it's a it's kind of a solitary thing, and only only true sociopaths actually succeed <laughs> at a high level on the PGA. Right. That's why there's so, only really two ways to get super popular, and that's like to have a look that people really like, or I guess three ways: Ricky Fowler, to wear your emotions on your sleeve, like Jordan Spieth. Or right. to just be supremely dominant in a way that people were just in awe about your right. game. Right. Which is sort of a tiger thing. Yeah. So the, um, yeah. So so we're going to take a crack at sort of just rating golf's biggest douchebags. <laughs> because they're really putting themselves on display. Well, they're the last really, 48 hours has been something else. It has been wild and crazy. And we should tell our listeners, so anyone who, are, who listens that... that is in any way familiar with golf is likely familiar with Brooks Kepka or I apologize, Bruce Kupka, as we call him on the two on three podcast. <laughs> True. 
Bryson DeChambeau is maybe the most insufferable player on tour when it comes to like, just, he's just an exhausting person to deal with. Right. He, he, uh, he, he, he comes at the game from a different way. He plays it differently. He's constantly like, um, talking about the way he approaches the game differently. Like, mm-hmm. and so he's making it about him in a way that, you know, is, is compelling, but also like off putting. Yeah. Um, whereas Brooks is just sort of a run of the mill kind of red ass who doesn't like anybody and seems like he'd rather just not be on the tour if he could have his way. <laughs> if, right. Like, unless, yeah, exactly. If he, if he wasn't making exorbitant amounts of money, he would not want to golf. Right. <laughs> Just he's really great at it, but it just he's over it, pretty much. And so, for anyone who hasn't seen it or or isn't familiar with what happened, a while ago, so Bryson plays slow as hell, and because he's like doing a bunch of ridiculous, like win calculations on every shot, he's being just an absurd. Like, if you played with him, you'd be like, "Let's go, just oh. hit it." Right. <laughs> and so, this is the kind of thing that Brooks. Uh, openly sort of scoffs about for not just Bryson, but like other slow players. And this has become slow plays, but the the constant rub between PGA players for the last few years, just yesterday or at the end of Sunday, I guess the end of the PGA championship, Brooks is giving his interview and Bryson comes clomping up behind him in his metal spikes, which by the way, hasn't been a thing for like what, 25 years. There, there are a lot of people who wear metal out there. You'd be surprised. All right. A lot of people wearing nails out there. And as he's walking by, you can hear him talking about, like, the great shot he hit on this this hole or whatever. And he's, like, talking to his caddy. And Brooks just, it's like an epic eye roll. It's the kind of thing, too, where only Brooks Kepka would do this on TV. Like, right. like nobody else on tour would, would, they might feel the way Brooks does about Bryson, but nobody else would behave that way open and show open disdain on a hot mic and yeah. say, Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> about one of their tour members. You know, they're, they're colleagues, essentially. I mean, mm. just think about the guy you hate at work. Yeah. Right? And then think about him walking behind, talking his bullshit while you're trying to have a conversation with somebody else. Uh-huh. It's a very relatable moment to watch this happen. This whole thing where it's like, Agreed. oh, my God. This, this It's just the whole, it's, the energy is just this fucking guy. And it's, it's great. Yeah. Anyway, I had to set that up because I know you want to talk a little about, like, who are maybe the, the the most difficult golfers? Right, but the the for me the the great irony is that Brooks Kepka exhausts me as <laughs> equally, if not more than anyone on the tour. Mostly because like, he won't stop talking about how much he doesn't want to play golf. Right. Yeah. Mostly because he's above it. He's beyond. It. Like all you know, he just he just goes on and on about how like. And the and the and the and the wild lie he told about people actually trying to hurt his knee while he was walking through that crowd was just I couldn't I couldn't take it. It was the drama. Oh, the drama! Everything about everything about him is drama, and his social media presence is completely disgusting. And he and his fiance are just the most just gross social media conglomeration in golf, without question. Well, it reminds me actually a lot of. Um... It reminds me a lot of it's funny that, that they're doing this match now, not Brooks's, but this whole uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Bryson versus Phil and Tom Brady, mm-hmm. because Bri- Brooks to me is very much like Aaron Rodgers, like just yeah. sort of I hate answering your questions in the media. I, I hate talking to you about this. You know how smart I am. Do you know how smart I am? And then can you stop asking me all these dumb questions? I'd like to get away from here as fast as possible. <laughs> I hate right. this job. That right. everyone would love to have. And I think that's the thing that makes people, you know, that's off-putting, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's like, you, you shouldn't be this miserable. You, sh- you know, Which is like sort of opposite is like a guy like Harry Higgs. Right. <laughs> who is just loving it. Right. Who just, who's living his best life every, every second of every day he's playing golf. Like, that's the kind of guy I like. Yeah, or like, like Andrew Johnson, right? Like beef. Yeah. Smiling, having fun. I play, yeah. get to play golf for a living. Yeah, play good, play bad. I'm I'm living it up. This is my I'm living my dream. But it's easier to point out the douchebags <laughs> <laughs> because they're much more fun to pick on. So who's who do you have? Well, the, the one we both have on our list obviously is going to be Patrick Reed. So I defended Patrick Reed for years and years. So he came up was notorious for like stealing from his teammates and cheating <laughs> in college and like just being like he went to like three different schools. He kept yeah. transferring because like uh-huh. he couldn't stick on a team because everybody hated him. But he's undoubtedly talented. I mean, one of the best short game players in the game today. Yeah. Um, but 
he just won't stop cheating. <laughs> so like I can't defend him anymore. Like it just he's, it won't stop. He's kind of like this weird man child. Yeah, like, he's strange. got like this over like I don't know. There's there's something weird going on in his personal life with his wife and his mother in law and this whole thing. There's something strange going on. Well, I don't and think he has any friends. No. And so, so his 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 that's that is his entire support structure. Yeah, and I think he's just I think sometimes he just acts out because he's a he's a child. Like he's not an adult. He's not a fully formed adult. His whole life is based around being successful at golf. Yeah. And so it makes him cheat. Yeah. Like he can't help himself because his his identity is so just embedded in this thing. He's like, I have to win. And if I can kind of get a cheat, if I can get a little advantage, that's fine with me because I'm a child. Because that's what children do. And that's, I think that's fairly accurate. Yeah. He's just, he's at, he, he can't control himself. No. If he sees an opportunity to cheat and get away with it, he's damn sure going to try. Right. Yeah. Because he just doesn't know any better. He just can't help himself. Yeah. See, for a while, I thought like he had grown out of that part of the game, like, that, that part of it, as he became mm-hmm. a successful tour pro. And then he was awesome in the Ryder Cup, right? And that just yeah. endeared him to me. And then he'd go out and, you know, it was it was one of those things where I can tell everybody hates him, but not in the same way where it was ob- the reasons were obvious. But I always like that, you know, everybody likes a comeback story. I like sure. reformed, you know, I like people who reform and grow up. I can relate to that change their ways as they get older and become wiser and, and become less abrasive. Um, and so I, you know, I just, I can't, but I just can't keep defending him because he won't stop cheating. He obviously hasn't outgrown it. <laughs> and the subtweeting, I mean, these guys are wild. Like you're going to get on there to the alternate account and like Pat, Pat Reed, his wife had some, some yes. uh, alt account that she was using to defend him when any, whenever people were talking about it on the internet. And it's like, that is so immature. Like it's so wildly insane to me that you would spend time getting on the internet to defend yourself. That's why, like, not right. to not to sidebar too far. I, I can't stand you. Kevin Durant. I just to say, yeah. just sidebar Kevin Durant. Like he's ruined it for me. Like, you, what are you doing? You weird right. crybaby. Stop it. You're like a 33 year old man. Right. Be above this. Yeah. A get little. a grip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is on your list? Uh, well, so then I think it's like, you know, we talked about Matt Kuchar last year. Obviously, he like sort of just sullied his nice guy smiley brand by not tipping his caddy appropriately, which like, right. that's epic dick behavior. So he must be like a, just a complete douche. That's all I can think of. <laughs> Sergio has thrown many tantrums on a golf course. Sergio is almost, he's in that same league. And he and his wife are also awful on social media. Just, <laughs> just terrible. The terrible, I just, I get bad vibes from them. They're just, they're, again, they're insular and they're, and they, like, if somebody says a crossword about Sergio, she goes off. I'm just like, you know what? He's a grown person. You know, he can, he can deal. You don't have to fight his battles for him. And, uh, yeah. Ooh, Sergio. I just can't deal with Sergio at all. I think Rory has outgrown the bad rap he got for uh, ending his engagement with Caroline Wozniacki over the phone. <laughs> like that hung yeah, over fine. him for quite a while. People disliked him for that for a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he can't win. Um, you know, I'm going to go. I'm gonna, here's my, here, you know, I'm going to give me you an old school one here. Okay. Gary fucking player. <laughs> really? Oh God. But he's the black knight. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he is, He's a massive douchebag. I mean, I mean, ten majors, but the but the guy like how many times does he have to lecture people about like how to live their lives? And because I mean, and then that and then that sort of crap his son pulled at the. You don't think his dad had something to do with the fact that his son was holding up those golf balls? <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, his son didn't come up with that on his own. I, you need to he's, share that with our listeners. I don't think people are going to know what you're talking about. So um, at the at the Masters during the um, during the opening um, during the opening uh, uh, tee off, which is ceremonial, right? Where all the all the previous champions get to right. tee off, yeah, exactly. So the uh, so the the ceremonial tee off has always for the last long while has been Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, Jack Nicklaus, but then Arnold Palmer's passed away, right. so they asked Lee Elder to come, and Lee Elder. Um, can't swing a golf club but he was there to to soak up the you know the atmosphere and uh-huh. and be there and and in that time during the the close-up of lee elder them talking about him 
Gary Player's son, who was the ceremonial caddy, had a box of golf balls that that Gary Player endorses and was holding them behind Lichelder's head <laughs> so people could see them. Come on, people. This <laughs> is the master. Of course, the son gets ejected for life, like is no longer allowed on the grounds at Augusta for the thing that he pulled. The yeah. son pulled. The son didn't pull that. That old <laughs> man pulled that. Let's be clear. And He's wily. He's wily, and I just can't take it. He's just, uh, you know. Banned Every from morning, Augusta I do for 7, holding up a box pitches. of golf balls. Fuck Gary Player. Guerrilla marketing, it. baby. What are you talking about? Yeah, grassroots, baby. We're doing it old school. I did want to, before <laughs> we get out of here, want to re, uh, or we'll give Ian Poulter some, um, some credit, like I said, for growing out of it being like just a supreme asshole. Yeah. Like, he's very, very enjoyable on social media now. Yes. And yeah. he's been insufferable in real life for a long, long time. Yes. But he's sort of turned that insufferableness into, he's, yeah, he's, it's a deft thing that he's done to make himself endearing and still be like an asshole. Well, still going to take pictures of his sports cars. Like, sure. Let me, let me do my trick shot where I hit my golf ball through the windows of my Ferrari. <laughs> right. Like that. It's right. that. Yeah. But he does it in that. Like, so that to go back to, to wrap this back around to the beginning, the reason I can't stand Bryson is that he's just such a doofus. Like his, he's right. so inartful. And, like, his social posts are so bad. This whole scuffle with Kepka. So when they announced this match that we talked about with Aaron Rodgers, you know, Kepka tweeted at him, like, sorry, bro. And then yeah. then Bryson's response is, like, it's nice to be living rent-free in your head. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry if you're a listener that says this. But only goobers say uh, living <laughs> rent-free in your head. Like, it's just nobody cool says some shit like that. No. And then Bryson like tweeted at Tom Brady about like when you lose you'll feel just as deflated as those balls in the AFC Championship game and I was like this is some pure uncut dork dad shit that I just can't even <laughs> barely stomach it's so cringy and I'm just like man this guy I can't imagine being around him in like the sycophants and he posts these workout videos and oh he's just exhausting <laughs> like Brooks is just a garden variety asshole. Right. Bryson is like, doesn't think he's an asshole. He try, he's just trying way too hard. He's just, yes. this, he's just this, the not cool kid who's trying to be cool and trying 10 times too hard. It's like, dude, you can't work out your way through this. You can't power your way through this. You have to. Here's the pro tip I will give anybody when they're dealing with a high profile. And, and cause I know, obviously, obviously <laughs> for sure. No question. Uh, but the reality is like, you don't, say i'm gonna ignore the haters you just actually ignore the haters you don't <laughs> acknowledge it that's the thing yes right yes. like you just you're not like oh i remember bryson posted a few months ago about like oh i'm doing this and having fun we're having a great time and basically like oh and i love everybody even you haters and it's like that's some donald trump shit i love you even <laughs> the haters and losers like <laughs> what are you doing don't do that just don't do that that's actually that's, that's solid advice, people. If you Take can the, picture Donald Trump doing it or saying it, don't do, <laughs> don't do or say it. This is a good good rule. All right, segment number three. So this week, um, speaking of odd things, the uh, the <laughs> the Food Network renewed Guy Fieri. They renewed his contract for eighty million for three years, which is. A nice paycheck if you're Pretty the mayor good. of Flavor. The mayor of Flavortown is making some. He's now is making some bank. It's, it's good a, to be. That's a lot of money for a public servant. <laughs> it's a lot. He's the highest paid public servant in America <laughs> as the mayor. So I was thinking, wow, that's first of all, I was thinking that's a goddamn lot of money for and for some diners, drive-ins, and dives and guys' grocery games and whatever he else he's doing. I don't know. Well, it's but, twenty-seven million a year for unskilled labor. Let's just be honest. <laughs> it just—I don't know. People, I mean, he's the face of the network, so you gotta—you gotta get him—you gotta get him paid, right? You gotta get him—you gotta get him on the thing. He's a shameless marketer. He seems like he's a pretty fun guy. He's Santa Claus. Know. He's Santa Claus. For more details on that, please see our holiday episode from twenty twenty. <laughs> and uh, and and so he, they gotta nail him down. So then I thought. Okay, 
what are the who do the other networks need to nail down? Like who are the most popular people on on certain networks, and why should they be? Why should they be? Why are they the most valuable player for that network? And why should and how how much should they be paid? All right, really. Before we get into this, I want to put it in perspective for our listeners. Okay. At twenty six point six million dollars annually, Guy Fieri would be the highest, the fifteenth highest played player in the NFL. More than Tom Brady, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. Just it's a it's a good contract. It's amazing <laughs> to host a television show and eat food. Right. He, I guess he has to keep dying his beard like that, so that's maybe the downside. <laughs> that's worth that's worth eighteen million a year alone. How much money do you think he spends on his hair a year? Fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Probably. I mean, they well, they, they, they've got a person who's in charge of his hair. Yeah. Right? And so that person's probably making at least 50 grand, right? Probably. I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. So I thought I would jump in and, uh, and just say who are the most – just take some of the networks and try to figure out like, who, who's, ma- who's a difference maker. I started with TNT because okay. I thought the most valuable player on TNT is Charles Barkley. Okay. Like he he's on TV. I'm over it, but okay, yeah, people how like many, it. How many yeah, I mean, but he's on TV 100 nights a year at least, something you know, like that, yeah. Something like that with including playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it's like a third of the year. And then for some yeah. reason they make him do the tournament when he doesn't know anything, which is the worst. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I looked it up and he doesn't make that much money. Like I don't know. I mean, if you look at some of the things that like, he, he can't be, he's got to be making, yeah, he's making like six million a year. Does that seem low to you? For I don't know. I don't have a frame of reference for like what you get paid to do a job like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I never would have thought that you would make 26 million <laughs> for doing food shows. Yeah. But, you know, but I, you know, he, like, like I said, he's on a third of the year. On the most popular program on TNT, they, I mean, it's their biggest property without question. Because uh-huh. all the other, all TNT does is run reruns. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just like the NBA and reruns of Charmed or whatever the hell they're running during Rizzoli the daytime. And Isles. <laughs> what happened to Franklin and Bash? I know that was a good show. <laughs> I don't know if I would call it a good show. <laughs> this is a show that existed. That was a that was a good show, dude. Okay. Hey, hey MPG and I are like. Twitter friends, so you'll have to back off. I literally can't keep track of like which networks, cable networks, those various like dramas. Like I, a USA drama could be on TN, TNT. I have no idea. No, the same, same. They tried to do comedy for a while, right? TNT. They tried to like build a comedy yeah. block. Yeah, and that yeah, that wasn't that was no good. No, no. All right, so uh, so that was the uh, so I thought I thought TNT's MVP was Charles Barkley, and they pay him, they only pay him six million a year. Okay, well by the numbers. It's Joe Rogan, right? Like Spotify gave him what a hundred million dollars. Yeah. How much? How, how much does uh, Sirius pay? Uh, pay Stern? I I have no idea. I haven't listened to Howard Stern since it was terrestrial radio. <laughs> right. I, I don't. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna pay for that. But yes, I mean Rogan. I mean, and massive. That, I'm sorry. It's depressing. It, it's depressing. Like I've listened to a couple of episodes, and it can be funny because he is a comedian by trade. Mm-hmm. But it's basically just this, <laughs> and we don't. I don't want to get. We don't deserve to get paid for this. I'd love to get paid that. Well, much sure, for this. but I could sit in a studio and just spout off poorly researched and like badly informed opinions. He has good guests. He coaxes some. He's, he's able to coax some good stories and out of people, and he's a good listener. And but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's well. He was just. I mean, just talking about just Alex Jones. Yeah, I it's, know, but he was just on this talking about Alex Jones being more right or right more often than he's wrong. Just the other day, and I'm like, come. What? It's an opinion. It's not an accurate opinion. <laughs> it's an opinion. I got a real problem with this world we live in, where you can spout off your beliefs that are like factually provable, like provably false, and we just have to go with it. It's it's tough for me. Yeah. Well, Spotify's. Uh, um. They're sort of. Uh, I think they're. I think they're slightly regretting this. This whole Joe Rogan thing. So I hope he ruins their company. I will. <laughs> they hired him. It's like you know what he does, right? Yeah. You know that he skews conservative. And I wouldn't even call it conservative. It's just it skews libertarian. Ignor- it's just ignorance. 
but then but he's got a lot of conservative leading guests and i will like, not draw the conclusion there you can okay he does he has a <laughs> lot of he has a lot of conservative leading guests and and i don't know and now spotify is like taking some of his taking some of those they're not they're taking some of those shows out of the the things like you you know what you paid for right you know someone researched this right <laughs> Well, and as, as far as those guests go, it's just there's a whole ecosystem, media ecosystem of people who say things that sound insightful as long as you don't think about them or interrogate the idea in any meaningful way. And so they sure. are able to get their message across because it sounds like a revelation to someone who maybe hadn't spent any time thinking about it. And that's what honestly makes these ideas sort of somewhat dangerous to the, the overall public good. You know, I mean, I think a lot about the time when, you know, not to not to name check Ben Shapiro, but when he was talking about people, climate change isn't a problem in Florida because people just sell their houses and move. And have you seen that video, right? And the guy busts through it. He's like, sell them to who, Ben? <laughs> Fucking Aquaman. <laughs> anyway, I think about that a lot. <laughs> so back to the tip, back to the topic at hand. My favorite interview show is Hot Ones. And even though it's only on YouTube, I, I Sean Evans, the host, like he's a good interviewer. Like, like the, he puts people in, in a, in a very physically not, uncomfortable situation. But he's not the MVP of YouTube. Who's the MVP <laughs> of YouTube? I don't know. That'd be a, that's an interesting thought. I haven't even, I haven't even thought. I, I can't imagine who the MVP of YouTube would it's be. Probably flat Earth YouTube videos. <laughs> it's probably something like that. It's probably some. It's probably some. It's probably some like old woman who makes quilts or something like that. She's got like twelve billion followers. I don't know. I don't know who it is. My other thought was that, and this is somebody who's not currently employed by a network. Mm. Um, I think that if John Stewart had wanted to return to TV during the Trump era, that no network probably could have paid him too highly for what he would have turned out. Right. Like to get four years, to get four years of John Stewart um, during the Trump era would have been through the Trump administration would have been worth whatever you could have paid him. If I was HBO, I would have just fired Bill Maher and been like, I'm sorry. We're just going to replace you with John Stewart for the duration. <laughs> or you just put him on. Yeah. Well, that would be. So I was thinking about some of the bigger, um, the bigger, uh, net, the main networks, the big okay. three. And ABC, I came up with Ellen Pompeo. <laughs> <laughs> so Grey's Anatomy has been running for what now? 20 years? Since I owned a tube television. 20 years? Yeah. They pay her $23 million a year. I think I think Grey's Anatomy's wrapping up. Twenty three million. She's getting Guy Fieri money for that for that show. That's you can imagine. That's insane. <laughs> and then I looked. Then I was looking at CBS and just sifting through there. And of course, and then I came up with Mark Harmon. How long has Mark Harmon been famous? Uh, a long time since I was a child. Yeah, I mean, long time. Mm-hmm. So he's on NCIS. Uh, <laughs> one of yes. the crime like cbs the crime procedural the crime procedural network uh he gets 12 mil a year to make that that show okay i can't i think charlie sheen though during like the charlie sheen heyday of two and a half men was making like double that i think he was making like something there neighborhood of 20 million a year to do two and a half men <laughs> have you ever tried to sit through an episode of two and a half men I have seen parts of it. It's I can't even watch it for like one segment. It's, no, it's I can't. Me who has like the most tolerance for garbage television of all time can't even sit through a whole episode of Two and a Half Men. Then knowing that Charlie Sheen was making north of twenty million dollars a year to do that show just blows my mind. It's hard. It's hard to believe, for sure. Amazing. Amazing. Anyway. You have anything else on the, on your list? I did not have anybody else to mention. No, I kind of was sticking to the, the idea of, of a host more than like a network star because I just there is no monoculture anymore. There are no TV shows that I care about. That's true. I it mean, it all comes and like, goes. Old people still, old people like me still watch TV. I mean, like what? I don't know. Just I mean, I surf around and watch TV. But there are old well, people who are watching like CBS who are watching those blue bloods, watching... baby. <laughs> Give me that Tom Selleck die job. Right. There's the people there's people who watch sixty minutes and then roll it right into whatever's on after sixty minutes or whatever nonsense. Just leave it on. Yeah. It's like, oh well, let's just stay here and watch this. Well, we can take comfort in knowing they won't listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, for sure. They're not. 
If you're, if, I want to see the Venn diagram of people who watch Blue Bloods every week and the Joe Rogan and listen to Joe Rogan podcast. Can we do a third circle of people who watch Dan Bongino videos on Facebook? <laughs> and Blue Bloods? That's a that's a heavy Venn diagram. It might be. It might be quite some overlap. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's quite a bit. All Give right. me the Blue Bloods Tucker Carlson <laughs> Venn diagram. It's it's heavy. It's it's a, it's a that's a heavy that's a that's a that's a heavy uh, that's a there's a lot of a uh, lot of overlap there. All right, you know what time of the show this is. Are you stupid or something? Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Are you stupid or something? Stupid is stupid does, sir. Stupidest things ever said. Oh my god! <laughs> it's it's May. It's May. It's me. Almost halfway. All right, this is from Cooking with Ricardo. Uh, is that like golfing? Is that like golf tips with Manolo? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Check out Manolo teaches golf on Instagram, everybody. Even if you don't golf, you'll enjoy it. It's nasty. <laughs> it's very nasty. Sorry, this is a headline from the Toronto Star. It says Cooking with Ricardo: Parsnip pancakes with crap and salsa verde. I mean, we're just putting typos in here now. <laughs> This was a bad idea. <laughs> Macedonian President George Ivanov. Wait, nothing is... Maced- Wait, but Macedonia? Yeah. Is that a country? Yes, yeah, next to Anvilania. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is more successful than success itself. I couldn't agree with you more. That's true. I'm skipping this one. This is one of those book ones that it, like, it almost doesn't make any sense and it'll take five minutes to read. Um, all right. The Chase host, we might for more from The Chase. Here's the question. What dairy product was one of the first foods rationed during 1940? Contestant. Spam. This is like the conversation I have to have in the restaurant about eggs being dairy with, with waiters. It's not dairy, man. They're eggs. <laughs> They're eggs Just think about it for one second, will you? Uh, wait, 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 wait a minute. What do you, you say? You say, I can't have dairy. Yeah, and then they say that well, this has. I'll eggs order. In it. So it, it, yes, and they and you say well, unless they're cutting cream into it, like some places will. Just make uh, sure that, yeah. No. But it depends on like if they're being friendly, I'll be friendly. But if they're being difficult, then I'll be difficult also. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bugging well, my eyes out. If you guys can't see it. Oh, spam is the national bird of the Philippines. So, so yeah, again, dairy. <laughs> dairy which makes it dairy <laughs> uh this is a police report from uh Uclulet, bc canada rcmp received a report alleging high-pitched screams were coming from inside a residence police arrived at the location and a woman inside the residence advised she had been singing acdc <laughs> i was singing i was just singing back in black and they called the police on me yeah the darkness no, I was singing. Um, I was singing <laughs> AFI. <laughs> Do not eat infants under one year old. There is risk of infant botulism. Whoa! whoa. It's from a restaurant buffet in Tokyo. I tried to find out what. That's what I was asking you when we were before the show about like whether or not raw fish can carry botulism. It can, very rarely. Infants. Let's just say, don't eat them. Don't eat the infant st- infant botulism. <laughs> We should send QAnon after those people. Uh, he's out there in front breaking wind for the rest of the Peloton. <laughs> That's from cycling commentator Phil Liggett. That's the Phil, last one for this one. Phil, Phil Liggett. Oh, Paul Liggett. Sherwin. Yeah. Paul Sherwin, God rest his soul. Those two guys were the best. I mean, every July, spend a month with spend a month with Phil Liggett and Paul Sherwin. Like for as long as I could remember. The best. They're the best. And then Sherwin passed away. But Liggett still does the tour de france every year okay i definitely never knew the commentators on the tour de france yeah i just want them to announce all my stuff like (laughs) here's chris breaking wind in front of his family (laughs) well that that (laughs) that happens all the time literally all right overtime overtime so in the overtime today we are deep diving the secret history of one of ty's favorite snacks which I tend to not enjoy. You're a fool. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, I remember the, I remember when these got popular from 
for me, like, must have been in the 80s or something before they, like, hit the shelves or at least hit the marketing, like, hit the marketing budget. But we're talking about corn nuts. Yes, we are. Corn nuts, everybody. <laughs> you sound like you're repeating it in a spelling bee. Corn nuts. Can you use it in a sentence? Can I get the origin? Yes, you can. I've got it all for you right here. <laughs> so talk to me about, first of all, corn nuts are, I always feel like my teeth are going to split in half. I can't, I don't understand. They're can just, I tell you that they used to be harder? What? <laughs> yeah. For for what? For So people would definitely have to go to the, invented by dentists so people would ruin their teeth? Let me say, I've, I read a very long, long thing about corn nuts today. <laughs> And I distilled the most amazing facts from the corn nut piece for us to consume here. Okay. In 1936, a man named Olin Huntington created a toasted corn product called Brown Jug and sold it to bars, which handed it out to patrons for free, like peanuts at the bar. Sure. The toasted corn was legendarily so popular, especially with children, that kids were often caught dashing into taverns to grab handfuls of it. So after that, like shortly thereafter, California passed a law making it illegal to give away food at bars. I can't what, imagine be, what be, that logic because, is. Because of corn nuts? I don't know. Maybe because the kids were running in there to get the corn nuts. They, they don't <laughs> explain it. I didn't have time to look up why they but would you make can't a law. Give away, you can't give away free... No free food. Can, no free food. Okay. I don't know. What don't the know. hell? I mean... All right. Well, it's California, so we'll just we'll just move on. So a man named Alfred Holloway bought this corn this this brown jug company from Olin Huntington because he was like he had his own plans mm. for for toasted corn snacks. Um, and so apparently they're named corn nuts apocryphally from right. by by Alfred overhearing a comment from a, a cranky bar patron complaining, "Why don't they have any more of those corn nut things?" So, but but it is corn. It's corn. It's toasted corn. That's all it is. It's, it's just, just a corn kernel. Yes. Toasted and salted. That's all. Right. It's just not superheated. It's basically just not popcorn. It's like a whole bag of old maids. That's what <laughs> that's what you don't like about it. That's why I love it. The kids give me their unpopped kernels. I eat them. And you like those. And you mm-hmm. like to chew those up. In particular, I like the the ones that are like partially popped, which is something you can buy. You can buy a whole bag of old maids. <laughs> That's niche. That seems niche to me. So this writer goes in like trying to find the details of this and can't get like the information is not easy to find, but finally gets in touch with like the descendants of this Alfred Holloway person. And his granddaughter tells the writer a story about running away from his Christian preacher father because he beat him. So like <laughs> like 11 or 12, he like shipped out as a cabin boy callback on, oh. on a banana boat and got shipwrecked on a Caribbean Island for six months as a 12 year old. <laughs> Yeah. He gets, he, gets ta- he finally gets rescued by a passing ship and taken back to home, back home to Cincinnati and then runs away again to be a cowboy on his older brother's horse ranch in western Nebraska. Well, this, guy, just, this guy's badass. This right? What a, what a total badass this dude is. So he bails at 12 and just gets on a boat for God knows where. He's like, this is better than getting beat by my father. Right. Um, and then ship you know, ra- yeah. and then goes to be a cowboy. He was a, oh my God, amazing. So he goes to California and starts training horses professionally for police um, in Monterey. And then in 1935, a fire at the Oakland Auditorium uh, burned the entire center down and like killed all the horses. <laughs> so like he was like heartbroken. So he Ooh. buys so anyway. So he buys this corn nut business. I don't know where he gets this money. Who knows? I don't. I mean, maybe the corn nut business wasn't particularly expensive. Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. So we're now that catches us up to 1938. So in 1938, he sees a, a Ripley's Believe It or Not cartoon featuring a gigantic breed of corn grown in Cusco, Peru, where the kernels are as big as a, a man's thumbnail. And he was like, what if corn nuts were giant? So it took him, it, he spent the next 30 years trying to crossbreed this Peruvian corn with American <laughs> corn to make giant corn nuts, which he eventually succeeded at. And then they made the corn nuts like they were denser and like the size of the end of your thumb. Oh my god! So I guess I mean this explains a lot. So first of all, I'm not really a corn nut eater, and I and when I was a kid, when corn nuts again entered my consciousness, I couldn't understand it because I I grew up in Illinois where we have a lot of corn. Like I grew up in a town where there was a lot of corn growing, so I'd seen corn. But the kernels of corn nuts are so big that you're like thinking to yourself, 
what are these? Like even a kid mm-hmm. who's seen corn doesn't understand the the size of these kernels. Like they can't be real. They must be processed in some weird way. Like it's, it must be something. It's a it's a Peruvian crossbreed. So they they finally decided they wanted to expand and realized they needed to make the corn nuts like less hard and smaller. <laughs> so they made that, that that brings us to sort of the modern corn nut in like 1970 or so. Mm. Um. And then that, that kind of brings us to the modern day, right? And so, like, I also went and looked at the brand's Twitter feed because I was curious, like, what does Corn Nuts tweet about? Okay. And the pin tweet is the word nut spelled out in huge block letters with peanut emojis. <laughs> Why would you not spell it nut with corn emojis? That doesn't make any sense to me. It shouldn't be peanuts. You're not, a, you're not, they're not actually nuts. They're actually not nuts. No, it'd be great if it was nut made of corn it's also just funny that it says nuts in giant letters i think it people does, just like to see nuts the tweet does have seventy six thousand retweets <laughs> and i don't mean to i don't mean to stray uh off topic here as we wrap up the show but um you, you talked about people like to see nuts well i i came across a tweet that had like uh dick uh, richard nixon like campaign pins uh-huh and like that so what year is that that's like this is 60s early 70s okay and the the pins are like oh so the pins here's what we have they can't they can't lick our dick (laughs) (laughs) we like dick sure we like our dick Uh uh-huh well done dick right i mean really yeah i had a friend in school who went by the name of dick it was the last i think he's the last of the last of his kind like, you know, Richard, he goes by Richard now. But when, if I ran into him in my hometown, I'd be like, Dick, what's happening? That was it. I mean, okay. that was it. But we you wouldn't say. a hard time about being Dick. If he got punched, would you say the guy really licked Dick? <laughs> no. But we used to do for Dick is we'd, we'd, uh, we'd ask him in class, say, hey, you got a pencil, Dick? Mm-hmm. And then he'd be like. That's fine. Shut up. He's like, shut up. <laughs> A couple last things about corn nuts to wrap us up here. All right. In the late sixties, the company ran a promotion, which packets, which included packets of giant corn seeds inside the packages of corn nuts to encourage you to grow your own giant corn. <laughs> and then they like, you want to trip to San Francisco because they're based in Oakland. And so people started planting 20 foot high stocks of corn, like in the city, all over the place. Um, and then in the eighties, uh, Pac-Man, the height of Pac-Man popularity. Mm-hmm. You might remember the old Corn Nuts logo on the bag. It looks kind of like Pac-Man. It's like a, okay. it's a kind of a, a stylized C, but it looks more like Pac-Man than a, than a, a letter C. Okay. And Pac-Man started getting licensed everywhere because I was like Pac-Man mania, right? Pac-Man wanted to actually. Do like, it was, it actually, it was Pac-Man fever. Uh, okay. Why wouldn't it have been Pac-Mania? Well, there's a song called Pac-Man fever that was a hit back in the, back in the day. God, that's more embarrassing than shit. Madison <laughs> posts on social media. <laughs> So, but Corn Nuts, like, sued to block Pac-Man from using, or whatever, at Midway? Rally? I don't know, it doesn't matter. Whomever. To block them from using the shape in food products. So that's why there was never any, like, more Pac-Man food. Now, my take would have been, why don't we partner with the gaming company to make it the power pellets be Corn Nuts? What if Pac-Man was eating Corn Nuts? They don't have, they didn't have the, they didn't have the graphic power to make. It was only dots. That's all they could do. You can put it on the, the cabinet art. <laughs> That's all you had to do. He eats corn nuts. Yeah. He powers up and has difficult BMs later. <laughs> and finally, in it, late gets 20- really, it gets really thirsty because those things are salty as hell. Well, that's what they're for. They're, they're bar food. And these pretzels are making me thirsty. The corn in, nuts are making in late me 2020, Heinz sold the corn nuts brand to Hormel and they better not fuck it up. That's all I have to say about corn nuts, dude. That's a that was that was uh that's that's some that's that's for the corn nut fans out there. I hope you learned a little something from that little segment. Uh, I will tell you that when I read the the the, the piece, I did not expect to share this on the podcast. It's like, oh yeah, I'll read about <laughs> corn nuts. I didn't expect that I would like there would be a, a shipwreck in the Caribbean, <laughs> dude. That's a that's a I I would I would watch a movie about the corn nuts founder that did like all kinds of shit. It's sort of like a Forrest Gump thing. Like he's you know he just and then all of a, at the end he invents corn nuts and gets like rich. They should have done the most interesting man in the world campaign ad for the corn nuts. Just I, I'm telling you, he might be the guy. 
Oh, I missed a piece too that famously um, the factory made East Oakland smell like roasting nuts all the time, and the people liked it who lived there. Oh, I mean that's I mean better than living next to the sriracha factory like those other people in California do, or in Tacoma like up here. <laughs> so it's like when you're driving through the freeway, you just hit that. Oh, hey, it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, paper factory. Yep, the pulp mill smell. All right, well, that was fun, and thank you for indulging me. And that's our show for this week. Our thanks to all of you for listening to the Two on Three Pod, where sometimes we look outward to help you look inward. Not so much this week, but sometimes. Mm. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. If you didn't, don't. Drop us a review. Subscribe if you're new. But until next week, when we return with more pop culture, life strategies, and existentialism, corn nuts. (laughs) 